Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talk Junkies, where tonight's going to be a very interesting night, as it is each and every single week here at the Talk Junkies household. We got Paul in the house, myself, me, myself, and I. I identify as Paul. Uh, he, him, uh, I, me. I don't know if I'm they yet, but I'm getting there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anywho, we don't have Johnny, Jesse, or Carl in the house tonight. Um, this is a little bit of a later podcast, but we do have an interesting guest that comes on this show quite a few times. He's been on probably over 10 times. Very knowledgeable gentleman when it comes to what it is to be free here in the United States and what is the Constitution and what truly does it mean. Uh, Dan, sir, how you doing? Thanks for joining. Yeah, doing excellent. Thanks for having me. Always, man, always. Love having you on. It's always a pleasure to have you on. It's, it's good moments here in life. A lot of stuff to unpack tonight, man. Um, I feel like um, when it comes to the Constitution, and we don't, we'll see what we talk about. But I do have a lot of questions when it pertains to what what pertains to the Constitution, especially in light of everything politically going on in the United States right now. All of it's very unconstitutional, um, and I feel like right now we're we're watching the unfolding of America, right? And if we don't do something, I'm not advocating for violence. Then, then we're going to watch America crumble before our eyes. So if you're on board tonight, man, let's, let's kind of just get into it and let's just nosedive. Um, my first question this evening would be, we, we talked about term limits and how the founding fathers didn't get right with term limits. And, and this did pique a lot of interest within, within the TikTok community when it comes to what it is in corruption and how we fix and solve politicians and stuff like that. And I know you said that you weren't a big proponent of term limits, I'm not, I don't really want to go down the road of term limits. I am in it because the answer that you gave, it made sense to me. Because if you have fresh people coming in every time, I don't necessarily know what would get done if we were to do something like that. But let's start with money. Okay? Mm-hmm. So is that how you fix Is that how you fix Congress? Is that how you fix an uncorrupt system is with no longer allowing lobbying? Well... If we were if we were to get everything aligned back with the Constitution, then the lobbying would take care of itself. Because the only reason there's lobbyists is because there's money to be made by by getting Congress to pass particular laws, um, you know, that regulate certain industries, that that um, you know get pipelines built, things like that that Congress is, is not supposed to be involved with at all. You know, the powers of Congress are, are um, limited. And there, you know, there's, there's all these people who talk about the, the necessary and proper clause. And it's interesting when you talk to them about the necessary and proper clause and, and you say, yeah, the, that, that particular clause, they want to say empowers Congress basically to do everything. You know, anything that, that they see necessary and proper, it's like, well, then there's no reason to have a constitution at all if that's the, if that's the case. Because, you know, when we talk about the, 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 the XL pipeline, for one thing, okay, that's, no, that's, that's none of Congress's business. You know, that's, that's nothing that they need to be involved with at all. Most of these, uh, these interstate highway projects, that's not anything that they need to be involved with at all either. Um, you know, we've got an upside-down system where the the federal government has been able to uh, 
make it so that they can tax people in each individual state directly and then force the states to beg for that money back. And once we get that unraveled and Congress is not a place where you can go and get millions or billions of dollars, then the lobbying, the lobbying problem will be, will be fixed. In the meantime, I don't think there's any reason to, to not prosecute those guys, um, you know, criminally. And anybody that's any of those those members of Congress that are dealing with them, prosecute them because it's they're making deals and you know it's it's a uh, what do they call it a quid pro quo right there's there's, there's money changing hands or, or deals being made where money is going to be made that's just absolutely illegal that's never that was never the intention of our Congress you know or, or our federal government it was always intended that. You know, if you were going to be doing something for the government, you'd be you'd be um, uh, rightly compensated. But you know, compensation is not the same thing as profiting. Very true. And so, for me, and whenever when it boils down to it, and you have the exchange of money between hands when it comes to lobbying, and for every one congressperson, you have ten lobbyists, right? And you you have to understand truly what the the, the magnification of that. And whenever you have a lobbyist come come over, and there are people who advocate for lobbying, which is insane to me. And whenever you're coming to a congress, a congresswoman or man, or even a senator or whatever, or even a president at that point, and, and you're trying to lobby what it is that you want to get done, and you're right, the amount of money that's exchanging hands is absolutely insane. If you have a president who has a lobbyist that has access to a president and you're lobbying for something that you want done— and then that president can then turn around and profit from that, or that congressman, or that congress congresswoman, or that senator, and they can go into the the stock market. And they can profit on that because they have the foresight of what's going to happen because they know it's going to get passed because of the amount of money that they're offering for that thing to happen. Right. How is that not insider trade? You know what I'm saying? Like that's insane. It's it's absolutely it's absolutely insider trading. It's absolutely that. Sorry, I I, uh, I just remembered I gotta I gotta do something here. Hey, you're good. But um, yeah, that's absolutely what it is. The, these these folks have figured out that Congress is the place to go to get all this money and to get you know things that they want done um for their particular industry. You know, and like the the all the stuff with um with the agendas that that Congress is pushing with the green new deal and, and all that. There's, there's tons of people who stand to make a tremendous amount of money at, at our expense, you know, all this technology that's being pushed so hard, you know, the, uh, the solar panels and all that stuff, that's great technology. You know, it's, it's something that we should definitely be figuring out ways to use, but it's not something that, that the government needs to be pushing on us. You know, because there's plenty of Americans who can figure out how to use that stuff, and there's so much of it that's that's you know just literally being um, forced on us, and and it doesn't have it doesn't have much of an upside. Like all these windmills, you know, these these wind turbines that they have out there, those wind turbines, they don't make money. You know, they don't generate uh, enough power to pay for themselves. 
you know, I mean, there's there's studies that'll come out and say all this stuff about you know, it it pays for itself in a certain amount of time, and it's like, no, you're not accounting for all of the expense that goes into it. You know, not only that, they're not they're not even biodegradable. So what right. happens whenever you can't use those parts? They're literally burying them like they bury our trash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on top of that, when one of those things when one of those things gets damaged. They have to. It has a, a special oil that it, that it has to has to use in there to keep everything lubricated, and there's there's thousands of gallons of oil inside one of these things. They frequently break down. The seals break out, and that oil leaks all over the ground. You know, so they're not even they're not econo- they're not they're not economical and they're not eco friendly. Right. You know, they're they're just they're, it's just bad technology being used in a bad way. For somebody to make money, for sure. But how how did lobbying even start? I I guess that's something that I should look into because I would like to understand how it started and when it started and who were the players involved. Obviously, you have you know it's probably oil companies, pharmaceutical companies, you know uh, FDA or when it comes to getting f- food or drugs passed in in the FDA stuff like that. How they just slid through so like snakely to where they were able to to start such a, a corrupt environment within our own, within, within our own government? Well, lobbying, lobbying is not new. Lobbying is something that's always been around. Anytime you have politics, you know, anytime that someone would come to the king and they'd beg the king for something, you know, that's, that's lobbying. It just became a bigger business thing because, you know, America is, America is the largest economy in the world. We're 30% of the world economy. You know, and so with the amount of money that America generates and the amount of money that that goes that passes through Congress and that Congress has illegally decided that they the, has has been illegally um, spending. Um, it's just one of those things where where people would naturally go there anyway to get problems resolved. But now people are coming in and they're realizing that they can make this lobbying into a business. You know, these there's there's these lobbying firms that are worth millions of dollars. The the people who are in there are worth millions of dollars. They spend billions of dollars to get their agendas across for these these corporations that you know stand to, to profit um, from regulations, believe it or not, and from you know other things that that allow them to sell products that. Um, that that allow them to sell their products in in a market that's limited to competition. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you you come in and you know the FDA will come in and and uh, you know the the FDA now has all of these regulations or the USDA one of them has all these regulations about what is organic, right? A farmer can't just say that or put a label on his stuff and say it's organic. You know, there's a there's this whole big rigmarole that they have to go through in order to, to be able to label their their stuff organic. I feel like that's a good thing though, yeah. Well, I mean it 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 is and it isn't. You know, now you've added a significant cost. I mean, because it's not cheap at all, all the all the, the hoops they have to run through. And now instead of this organic food that takes 
less pesticides. It takes it takes you know some of the the cost involved with it is reduced. Now the price of that is pushed up, so the the farmer's making less on it. You know, you and I are paying more for it. You know what? So there's a mid- consider to be better. The middleman so, middleman making more money. You know, the government making more money because right. they're the ones who who are charging you know these these farmers thousands of dollars just to be able to use the organic label and they should be able to do that whether they you know you and I should be able to go hey is this organic the guy says yeah well how do you raise it what's going on with it you know but um, when you have government regulation in there they can jump through those hoops and you you open the door to a whole lot of of unscrupulous people who figure out ways to um, figure out ways around those kind of things. Like um, one of the things that, that the food industry has successfully done is they've made it so that, that um, when you buy something um, that is um, vanilla or chocolate, right? You buy something that's vanilla or chocolate. It doesn't necessarily have any vanilla or chocolate in it. Right. Right. But they can still say it's chocolate because the FDA has changed that and made it so that some of these things, the, they, they now say that chocolate is not a, a product from a chocolate uh, cocoa tree. Chocolate is a flavor. Right. Vanilla is a flavor. So let's, let's, let's go into this a little bit. I like where you're going with it. Um, the FDA is a part of the, uh, of the government, right? The, the federal department of agriculture, if I'm not mistaken, the Food and Drug Administration. Yeah, food and... Well, wow, I was way off. God, wow. I knew that. I don't don't know why I even said that. Jesus Christ. Okay. Then we have the U.S. The USDA is the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Okay, so I'm I'm kind of curious where where, where they apply into the Constitution. Or is that something that doesn't need to be in the Constitution because it deals with food? I I, I don't know. You you see what I'm kind of asking? It's it's an illegal organization. It's not... There's no place in the Constitution... That allows them, you know, gives the government any authority to to regulate those things. And the reason, the, the the sole reason that we have the FDA and the USDA and everything, is because it's for corporate farming. It's for corporate production. These corporations need the government in there in order to help them. If the if the government was not assisting these corporations, they would not be able to stay in business. Right. Because what you go back to like the early 1990s, 1980s, even the 70s, the amount of farmers that you had that were in the United States, you're talking tens of thousands of farmers. Yep. Tens of thousands. And then you slowly start to see that number diminish over years and years and years, which brings us to the year 2022. And tell me how many farmers are out there now. Because well, a the, lot of them. Yeah, a lot of them have become corporate farms. They hadn't. They had no choice. The federal, the, the FDA got involved. The USDA. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing, man, like the, if you're trying to go organic, you're trying to do all that type of stuff. They will come to your house. They will come to your house because you are not allowed to do those types of things whenever you're creating a business because they have to be involved. Right. So for anyone out there who talks about, oh, it's the safety. It's for the safety of the people. You don't want to get disease. You want to get all this, all that. What, what whatever happened to reputation? Whatever happened to you know? I mean, th- there should be organizations that are that are involved in making sure that there are no foodborne illnesses in these types of foods, and there should be checks and balances within mass agriculture, right? But it shouldn't be overarching, and you shouldn't like the FDA, man. Like you, you, pesticides, dude, all over our food, pesticides. 
what was it, 2016, Russia banned GMOs from their country. They, there's no GMOs in any of their food. Right. You look at Europe, half the ingredients that are in all of our food are not in Europe. They're banned. They're not allowed. Mm-hmm. What are we consuming, bro? What are we ingesting into our bodies? This is nuts. We're we're at the we're at the the forefront of scientific experimentation. Yeah, you know, and the and the FDA is a big is a big one that pushes that, you know, because they're the ones that allow drugs to be put on the market with minimal testing and minimal, you know, clinical trials. You know, they just they just allow these you know emergency orders to allow them to be used, you know, or special orders to allow a, a particular company because they'll say. You know, there's a need for this for this particular drug, and even though it has these particular side effects, the you know the the need for the drug outweighs the side effects. And it's like, well, who gets to make that decision? Right. And and what are they basing that on? Are they basing it on how much that company's going to make, or how many people are going to be benefiting from it, or how many people are going to be harmed? I mean, if they're if they're going to say that, you know, uh, um, it's it's the harm outweighs the benefits, to who? You know, if I'm one of the people that's been damaged by that, the the harm certainly doesn't outweigh the benefits, or the the benefits certainly don't outweigh the harm because I'm sitting there with with whatever kind of 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 reaction or whatever kind of side effect from that particular drug that that has has caused you know some lingering problem. I didn't get the benefit of it, but who's there to help you with with all that stuff? Not the FDA. And not the company that made the drug, because the company that made the drug, they got it approved by the FDA, so it's all a okay. At which point, if there are ever lawsuits and that company gets sued because there's detriment to society or to human to, to human beings and well being, then the FDA should be accountable as well. Right, but, but, but they never are. Right. See, that's one of the things. That's that's one of the things that we need to get back to is that. There is no, the the government has, there is no person in the government at any level that has immunity from prosecution. Nobody. You know, so if if someone commits a crime, they are liable for that. Yeah. You know, being a member of the government, you know, that, that applies to judges, that applies to legislators, you know, they're not, they're not free, they're not immune from prosecution. You know, there are, there are, things within the constitution in order to protect um certain bodies during during you know activities that they're that they're doing like the the congress you know there's certain rules in place to prevent um uh congress from being interfered with but that was something that was put in place in order to prevent other parts of the government from you know like the the executive branch from coming in and preventing Congress from meeting, you know, calling out the army and preventing Congress from from uh, convening so that they could, you know, pass uh, any kind of legislation that they needed or, or to look into the activities of the of the executive branch. It wasn't for it wasn't for you and I. You know, and that's the that's one of the things that we've that we've really gotten away from is this idea that that, um, you know, Government is not accountable. Government is a hundred percent accountable, and that's where we need to get back to: is reading and understanding that that the Constitution. I'm not subject to the Constitution, and you are not subject to the Constitution. It's a contract between us 
and the government is the subject of the Constitution and is subject to it. And then anybody that's employed by the Constitution or employed by the government is subject to that and all the restrictions and responsibilities and duties that are covered in there. If they fail to do that, then then there's a significant liability that goes along that, you know, that includes criminal, you know, criminal liability. Yeah, and, and, and that's how it should be. And you're right, we definitely have gotten away from that. And I guess the, the biggest question is how, how do we even begin to even start to go back to that, right? I mean, because we're, we're so far gone from politicians being held accountable. We're, you know, it, we're so far gone from that. How do we even f- fathom a world where that exists, Dan? Well, the first thing is, is we got to stop playing the, rule, playing the game by their rules. Because they have, they have set up a, a whole different system um, that they want us to, to fall into and play by. And as long as we do that, you know, there's going to be small wins here and small wins there. But overall, the system remains in place. You know, they have to concede certain things here and certain things there. But, you know, it's like this amorphous blob. You know, you, you smack it in one place or, you know, cut a piece out of it. But, you know, it just kind of heals itself up and, and, you know, it remains this, this slimy blob that just flows everywhere. You know, but we've got to take it and put it in a box and say, no, this is this is the only place that you can be. And that's what the Constitution is. It's the box that the, that the government is supposed to remain within. And, you know, until until people stop thinking that the government is supposed to abide by the Constitution, you know, and that the system that's in place is somehow, you know, some perversion of the Constitution, it's 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 not it's. What, what we have here is completely separate from the Constitution. You know, what we have is we have a contract that, that is placing some limitations, you know, because, because it is so explicit, it places some limitations on the government that they can't ignore. But for the most part, they find workarounds for everything. You know, there's, there's no legality to any gun-free zones anywhere in, the Amer- in America, anywhere. There is, there is nothing legal about a gun-free zone. There's no legality to concealed carry permits. There's, there's no legality to, you know, any kind that restrict open carry, you know, or, or that say that you have to carry your gun in the glove compartment of your car or something like that. There's, there's no legality to that because the Constitution covers federal, state, and local governments. You know, the, the, the law is the law. Does it say that? Federal, yeah. state, and local governments? Well, I mean, when you, when you read it, it's the, const, the, it's, it's the very beginning of it is we the people. And it's a contract between the people of the states. You know, it's not a contract between Americans, right? It's a contract between the people of the states because each one of these states is run independently. Each one of these states has its own, you know, its own culture, its own laws, its own, you know, they're each individual for, it's, they're almost like small countries right. of their own, is the way that the United States, and when we talk about the United States, people, people oftentimes, you know, talk about the United States as if it's an entity, and it's not. It is 
the United States. The states that are united into right. this contract. And and we've talked about the United States as being this this one thing for so long that people, you know, kind of it was it was interesting to me when I really started thinking about it and, and talking about it as the United States. A bunch of individual states coming together because you know, so many people have, have gotten into appealing to the federal government about stuff and leaving their state legislature behind. And we've got a situation now where, where these, the federal government has gotten so much power and money that the states actually go to the federal government to beg for it, yeah. which it's never intended to be. You know, it's Don't. always intended to be that the states would rule. Yeah, the Federal Reserve was never part of the equation. Right. Where you can just print money at disposal, for sure. Right. So when it pertains to, um, when you talk about the U.S. Constitution in specific, and then you have each small country, right? Um, each 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 of these states have their own constitution, but those that, that constitution still applies within the actual constitution. Right. Their constitutions have to abide by... Because, the, like I said, the, the, the Constitution itself is a contract between the people of the states. So each individual, in, in each, each Constitution of, of each individual state still has to abide by that contract, right? Because we have, we have things that, that are put in place for all of these United States to be able to work together. For instance, if, if, if um, you and I sign a contract... Right, you and I sign a contract. We need to be able to under to know that there's going to be enforcement of that contract across state lines. Right. Right. So, so if we were to, if I was to come there and we were to sign the contract, and then I came back um, to South Carolina and I was and I was, you know, holding onto that contract, there's a clause within the con- within the Constitution that says that that legal document being signed there in Missouri is in force in South Carolina and South Carolina can't say, no, we're not going to recognize it. You know, he's a, he's a resident of a different state, so we're not going to recognize it. And, and I can't, I can't use the state of, of, uh, South Carolina to, to break that contract. Right now, if we have a dispute, if we have a dispute about the contract, you know, if we have if we have some kind of a, a dispute, either one of those states would have to hear it, right? We could take it to either one of those states, or we could take it into federal court to have it have it heard and 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 settled. But no state can take that contract and say we're just going to throw it out. You know, we don't recognize that because it was signed in another state. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. So for me, I'm trying to think uh, of a way to put this. You, where along the lines did it did following and, and upholding your oath to the Constitution get lost? Because whenever you get pulled over by a cop and you're freely traveling in your vehicle and you're not committing commerce, you're not required to have a license, registration, and insurance, right? You're freely traveling in your private vehicle. You're not making money. You're traveling. And none of those things are required, right? And you see all these sovereign citizens is what they call them, but I, I, I don't even fancy calling them sovereign citizens. They're just people who are abiding by the Constitution. And granted, you do have the Supreme Court who have ruled on these on these matters, and it's, people say Supreme Court is law of the land, 
But the Supreme Court has even came out and said, hey, um, this is the law of the land. You're allowed to travel freely in your private vehicle and not have to have any of those documents. It, any of that aside, strictly just Constitution, what is it a, a cop's job whenever they, whenever they put their hand on the Bible and they swear to the Constitution and to uphold it? Anyone who is in that type of environment when it comes to being a cop or a judge or a lawyer, they're all upholding the Constitution, okay? We're, and if they are doing so, where do they get off on pulling people over and giving them tickets and not upholding the Constitution? I'm curious when that got lost and, and, and why it was so easy, easy. I guess, is the Constitution hard? Is it hard to follow and abide? Or is it easier just to have corrupt people go against it? I don't know if that makes sense. It's, it's easy for people to try and exert their own personal authority and say that this is the way that I see this situation and this is how I'm going to handle it. You know, the, the thing about it is, is that one of the things that we need to, to, to really step away from is the idea that, that the oath means anything because these people don't care about the oath. What matters is what the Constitution says, because even without the oath, the Constitution places definite duties, responsibilities, obligations, and, and prohibitions on every person that is in the government, whether they're elected or whether they're just employed, every one of them. And those restrictions are not something that they can simply wave away. Their boss can't wave it away. The president can't wave them away with executive orders. They can't be legislated away, and they can't be. They can't. You know, the Supreme Court can't decide that they're that they're not going to abide by them. Those are not authorities and powers that those that those bodies have. And that's the thing that I think would really um, help with this is is not playing by their game because what they want to do is they want to get into all of these Supreme Court. Um, decisions and, and everything we could go with Terry versus Ohio and all these other different things and you know probable cause and plain view and and all this nonsense and it's like that doesn't that's playing into that's playing into to um, the very arguments that they want you to start having plain view means nothing you know probable cause is something that is in the Constitution but is, is, is a requirement that's placed on anyone when they're trying to do a search or a seizure. You have to have probable cause in order to get the warrant to do the search, to seize the property, or to seize the person. Without probable cause, you can't get the authority, or you can't get the warrant that gives you the authority. Without the warrant, there is no authority to do that. And that's what we've gotten away from is really having an understanding of the fact that, that it makes no difference what oath these people take. The Constitution itself places restrictions on them that as soon as they, as soon as they want to claim or use some kind of governmental authority, those restrictions come in force. They are restricted to doing certain things, and if they don't, then everything they do is illegal. Yeah. So let's bring it. Let's bring it to the president at this point. So we all know what we have in Joe Biden. And there, there has to be something within the Constitution that would apply. And as shitty as it sounds, I'm not... 
I, 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 I don't want Kamal Harris as president. I'll just go out and say it, I guess. But mm-hmm. the, the guy is clearly not fit, right? The guy is, he's, he's no way <laughs> even capable of, of being, being the leader of the greatest country in the world. Uh-huh. And there has to be something within the Constitution that applies that tomorrow when we wake up, we go to CNN, Fox, MSNBC, we go to whatever courthouse we would need to invoke whatever it is in the Constitution to get this guy out of office. Does that exist within the Constitution? Well, there's the the impeachment um, that goes through Congress, and you know they're not going to do that. But um, you know that's for high crimes and, and misdemeanors. You know that's a, that's a, a way to to have a process for charging him with crimes while he's in the office. As far as as far as actions that we can take, there's no restrictions on us. You know, we could, if the ind- if individuals in each one of the states decided that they wanted to, all they have to do is is start organizing and assembling, putting together petitions, or or um, you know holding uh, polls or votes or whatever, and recalling him, just simply saying that we you know we have no confidence in him, we we want him out of office. But that, that process would then be, you know, we'd still have, we still have a a, a process where um, there's a, a continuity, you know, the vice president steps in and then the speaker of the house on down the on down the line, so you know it would be something that we would have to think about. But that's the, you know, the the problem is is that is that people have gotten to the point where instead of instead of taking the 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 responsibility of keeping the government in line right we've gotten to the point where we sort of accept the line that the government says you know we have the authority to do this we're the government you know um and we don't look at the rules and say yeah the constitution says you can't you know you, you, Mr. Police Guy, have pulled me over, but um, you, you can't do that. Well, my boss says you can't. No, your, your boss doesn't have the authority to empower you to, to do something that is against the law. And so if you've decided to use his authority to do that, you guys are operating outside the law. Right? Yep. All right. But we're not. You and I are not restricted by the Constitution. We don't have to abide by the these restrictions within the constitution the 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 dynamic between the the judicial branch and the executive branch and the legislative branch the the restrictions that are placed on there that say that congress has to go through this process to remove the president that is for them that's not for us that's saying that's saying that if congress and the executive don't get along, they can't just, they can't just, you know, just suddenly say, okay, well, you're not president anymore. You know, they can't just sit down and just take a vote, right? There's a process that they have to follow. They have to follow. So that process to impeach the president, that's, that's not for 
like with Trump, that's not what it was. It's not what it was supposed to be used for, because obviously that was a, a, a that, that was bullshit. You know, the Russian collusion, all that other shit, which right. you're going to have that type of shit um, w- within our own society. Obviously, we see that. But when it comes to the people, you talk about the <clears throat> taking polls, starting to recall, starting a petition to recall the president. How much power does that have? What what type of power do we have to enact like the Congress does if something were to go away and they have the power to impeach a president? Do the people have that power? Absolutely. Without violence, that's, do they? Well, that's the that's the the part that's that's there's there's so many pieces of the Constitution that the, the one of the really th- important things about the Constitution is to understand that that the Constitution is not just a bunch of random pieces pushed together that you know are supposed to to work together it, it is a it is a blueprint it is a a plan these guys when they were writing this thing they they looked at each one of the pieces and they said okay well if we want the government to be able to do this then we're going to have to put these safety pieces in place and and this is the way that we can accomplish this you know there's there and and we've allowed the government to talk us out of a lot of the ways that we would be able to easily exert power. You know, the Constitution begins with we the people. It's a contract between the people of the states. You know, the, the government is not part of that contract. The government, the, the Constitution is like this, this, this list of rules that you leave for the kids when you go out to the store, you know. You guys can do this. You guys can't do this. You know, you can watch TV for 30 minutes, but your homework has to be done by the time I get back. If your homework's not done by the time you get back, by the time I get back, you're in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's not done, you can decide whether, you know, you can say, well, you know, I really just was doing that as a threat or, or whatever. And that's kind of what we've done. Instead of reading the Constitution and deciding that we're going to hold that line, we've allowed unscrupulous people people dishonest people you know people who were more interested in profit and power to get into our government and twist the constitution around and try and tell us what it says and what it means you know one of the biggest things and we've talked about this before one of the biggest things that's in the constitution that would make something like removing the president an easy easy process would be the militia and I don't mean that as as something that would use violence, but just the fact of having the militia in place would require all of us to be in tighter communication with each other. And I think it would be pretty obvious if we're if if more people were were talking to each other about the the political situation. Not only would Joe Biden have never gotten into office, but it would be pretty clear for people to sit down and talk and go, yeah, this guy just needs to be out. He's, he's, you know, he's doing everything wrong and, you know, seems to be doing it on purpose, you know, because nobody could be that stupid. There's no way that anybody is that stupid right. to be able to do all the things that he's doing. He's doing this on purpose. So would it come down to um, jury by trial at that point? I guess um, I'm trying to figure out what, when you say we the people... And what what type of power that we have, and if you were to, to make a recall or a petition, and then it got to a certain level where it had to be heard, at that point, that's when you have trial by jury, 
or would, would it even go to court? You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to figure out, like, what can we do, man, like, to stop all of this corruption? Like, dude, dude, the corruption is rampant. It, it's literally, it, the, COVID's not the issue. COVID spread like wildfire. It infected so many millions of people. But corruption mm-hmm. has infected every single person that lives on the face of this earth. And, right. and specifically here in the United States, we it's just the cor- corruption is within each and every single politician. Mm-hmm. No yeah. matter no matter who they are and what they say and what they're about, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I just I, I can't believe any of them anymore. Like literally Donald Trump, like when he was president, literally was at the economic forum walking in there with Charles Schwab literally mm-hmm. says, Charles, you're doing a good job, man. You're doing a good job. Thank you for what you're doing. Like, right. like, dude, what, what are we, what are we supposed to do? Like, this is insane. Like, I, I feel like there is no help. I feel like it is a big party, like George Carlin said, and we're not invited. Right. And the thing, the thing is, is that we've given up a lot of our power, you know, by, by, you know, small pieces here and there, things have been happening for, you know, since the beginning. You know, Marbury versus Madison is an illegal decision made by the Supreme Court, whereby they empowered themselves to make decisions regarding what the Constitution does and does not say and and how the Constitution must be read. They don't have the authority to do that. You know, the fact that that we got a a central bank, you know, there's there's no authority within the Constitution for for the uh, the. Um, federal government to have a central bank. They tried so many times, they finally got it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's the thing. They'll never stop. They'll never stop. Even if we reclaim our rights within the Constitution, they're never going to stop. Ever. Well, here's, yeah, here's the, here's the interesting thing, is that is that we have all the tools that we need to bring them to a stop and then forcibly remove them. We don't have to keep them here in this country. You know, the, the thing is, is that is that within the Constitution, pretty much every problem that you can that that you can look out there and see, we could solve, you know, this problem of of, um, you know, inflation and runaway printing of money. One of the things that it says in the Constitution is that is that you can only use gold and silver for money. It says it right in the Constitution. You can only use gold and silver for money. So what do we do tomorrow, Dan? How how can we what do we what can I do tomorrow when I wake up, bro? Because I'm not trying to go to my local my, my local government or and then say these types of things. What can we do as people tomorrow to, to enact change of this magnitude? Because this is literally if, if if we were able to put the constitution back on the side of the power of the people, mm-hmm. that could be done instantly, like you talk about. Could it be done in a time frame of which is within our lifetime, or a, oh, yeah. or within with within a month, within a week, and and it, and if so, how do we even do that? Well, the first thing is is everybody's got to read it and understand what it says. I mean, that's the biggest thing because because you know um, I can talk all the time about about all the different you know things that are within the Constitution and how it would solve all these different problems. And, you know, I can demonstrate it, I can point it out, I can, I can show it. But one of the big dangers is, with, with all of this stuff, is when people begin to rely on someone to do a job that they need to do themselves, right? That's the whole point of the Constitution, is, is that we're not supposed to trust anyone in the government. 
it, we have a list of rules that they are required to follow and are required to obey. But we just can't simply say, well, here's the rules and you have to follow them. You know, I'll see you next week. Like, no, this is this is a, an employee-employer situation. It's like, no, this is your job and this is what you have to do. And you're not doing it, so you're out. Right? But we've allowed it to get turned around to where the government tells us what it is that they can and can't do. Right? And that's absolutely not the way that that this country, you know, this constitution that we that we live under, this contract between you and I, that's not the way that it was written and that's not the, the country that was envisioned or the government that was envisioned. No, I so completely- the first thing that's got to happen is people have got to educate themselves. And it's not like it's a big thing to, to do, you know, read the Constitution, have some conversations with some people. You know, this is what I think it says. You know, this is what I think it says. You know, talk it back and forth and, you know, read a little piece at a time and, and start to look at the look at the, the entire thing. Look at the look at the 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 Constitution is one thing. But all of these people are out there trying to deceive us all into believing that you have to read this one particular section and, and, and read it just by itself. You know, you can only read this one piece by itself. It's like, no, it's like a big puzzle. All the pieces fit together and then you have the picture. You know, and, and until we get to the point where, where enough people are, are looking at the Constitution and, and saying, okay... You know, here's the whole picture, and this is the way that I see it. Then we're going to be at the mercy of these of these unscrupulous, lying criminals who want nothing but power and and wealth, power and money. Our power and our wealth—that's what they want. Yep. And they've been able to take it pretty much, pretty much without any resistance for years. Yeah. None. Mm-hmm. besides talk right? right and i don't for me it's just it it's amazing like the amount of wars that i've seen you know being born in 1989 uh i mean i was alive for desert storm but i i was such a young i mean i was you know i, I mean i was either not born yet I mean, desert storm was early 90s what late late 1980s so it's very young but then mm-hmm. you know, I mean, just all the wars that I mean, it's been literally war my whole life, all like thirty years of my existence, and it's just like the people don't have a say in that. Like right. we've we've had no say. Like when you when you talk about Iraq and weapons of mass destruction, and those none of those were ever found, and you get back to the you you get down to the root of truly what it was, why they went there, why we're in the Middle East, why after Iraq it was Afghanistan, and after Afghanistan it was Syria, and before Syria we were somewhere else. You know, like all these third world countries, like. The American people don't have a say in that. Yeah, you talk about you know voting in your local politician, voting in your local legislator, local, voting in your local senator, and then they they're the one who decides. One person, a senator, decides. I have the overarching say for four million people who live in my state. That doesn't make sense to me, man. And I, and I don't know if that's a um, a fallacy within the Constitution, but I feel like. I know this is going to sound weird, but when it comes to war, it should be, yes, it should be educated people making decisions for their country, which we're not there. I completely agree with that. But it should be a popular vote or a vote amongst the people within the United States when it, when it comes to war. And if you well, have... 
the thing is, is that the Constitution does not allow for offensive wars. There, there's, no, there's no provision in there for an offensive war. You know, especially not one that does not threaten the borders of our country, right? If, if we were to have a problem with Canada, right, if we were to have a problem with Canada and, and it was decided that, that the problem with Canada could only be solved by invading Canada, that would be a different situation. But there's absolutely no provision. There's no way that you can read anything into the, anything that's written to the Constitution that would support the idea that we need to send people, you know, 10,000 miles away to a country that doesn't have any borders with us at all, you know, doesn't have any contact with us at all, you know, there's nothing that you could say about that country where they would have any direct influence on us, yet we're sending troops over there. There's, there's nothing that's constitutional about it. Especially because these these actions are normally taken without there ever being a formal declaration of war. Right? There's no formal declaration of war. So the use of troops in a situation like that is is doubly illegal. Yeah. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. And but the it, thing but... too is one of the things when you talk when you talk about, you know, I have the power to have a say over you know what these million people are going to do it's like that's not the way that the the constitution is written either you know it's like it's like no you don't have the say over what you have is you have a set of responsibilities that we've asked you to take care of and you can either do it or you can't and if you can't then you're fired right we've elected you to do this if you can't handle the responsibilities you've been given then you're out and we don't have to go through congress to do that we don't have to go through the supreme court to do that we don't have to go through the state legislature to do that. You know, we can just assemble enough people within the state or within the country and say, yeah, you're out. You're done. Because the provisions as far as impeachment and, and the, you know, the conviction at, at, in the Senate, that is the separation of powers. That's to prevent the executive and the, the, the legislature from, from going to war with each other and and you know playing politics you know that whole thing was was invented in order to prevent how it's being used now does that make sense no it makes sense yeah just trying to i i want to break it down as best as we can to paint a picture for people to for them to understand and realize how easy it is for the people to gain back control and power oh i don't i don't want to make it hard i don't want to i like i said i just want to make it as simple as possible um, for them, for everyone and, and myself included to understand that we are the people, we the people. And I think that's probably where you start and how easy it is to understand is those two words, we the people. We the people. Yeah. Right. That's And that's the, the thing right there is it's, it is we the people. All the power that the government has has been granted to them by we the people. And the specific ways in which it's been granted to them and the circumstances and situations in which they are allowed to use that power are, are laid out very directly and very clearly within the Constitution. So there's, there's an incredible amount of stuff that the government does on a regular basis that's 100% illegal. But the, the, the best way 
to to get a grasp of all that is not to look at what the government's doing and try and you know argue against what the government's doing go to what the rules say go to the constitution and read it and look and say yeah you know what it it says right here that the government may not do that you know that that a stop by a police officer when he does not have a warrant in his hand is illegal 100% the requirement of you to go and get a driver's license to drive your car is a 100% illegal the government does not have any authority to license anything so what do you say not to doctors what, not lawyers not cars none of that but what do you say to people who are like oh man the constitution was that was back in 1776 and technology has changed and the world has changed so you know within that the constitution has to change well i would say i would say you know that's that's certainly fine but what would you change about it you know if you don't know what it says then how can you make any any intelligent changes well you hear these people and they're like well you know back then they didn't have like extremely fast cars they didn't have highways they didn't have you know like these massive super highways or, or interstates and they didn't have ar-15s and they didn't have uh, AK-47s, so um, that's why. Well, you ever seen you ever seen one of those guys that get gets a little Honda Civic and decides he's gonna he's gonna make it into a little race car, sports car thing? Mm-hmm. Starts making all these changes to it. Doesn't even understand how the car works in the first place. Starts making all these changes to it, and the next thing you know, he can't drive it anywhere without it scraping the pavement. You know, it's got too much power for him to be able to do anything with it. So, you know, he steps on the gas and he blows the engine, right? It's the same thing. It's like you have to learn what it is that you're working on first before you try and make any changes to it. And the fact that the fact that that we have um, AR-15s and AK-47s and tanks and all that stuff really doesn't change anything within the Constitution. There's nothing within the Constitution that's truly affected by that you know the the biggest thing that that um affects the constitution is the speed of communication that's been the biggest thing you know and and that's only made it so that the constitution can more effectively work if we're all educated on what it says you know once we become educated about what it is that the constitution actually says then it's real easy to look at it and go okay now i see why they said the right to bear arms and they didn't specifically list anything right they didn't say you have the right to carry a sword they didn't say you have the right to carry a musket they said the right to bear arms the right to care carry arms you know which is which is whatever it is that you deem to be necessary for your own defense it applies in any society right and the thing is, is that, is that, you know, if we want to talk about, you know, AR-15s, we, we didn't have AR-15s and we didn't have AK-47s. It's like, okay, they did have muskets. They did have hatchets. They did have, you know, all kinds of different firearms. And they were easily accessible to everyone. But it's not like the government, it's not like the, the society was so violent that, that, you know, we're in danger of dying off. You know, they didn't just run around randomly killing each other. And there hasn't been an acceleration in the number of people getting killed as weapons have gotten better. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the population of the world has still continued to grow. 
violent crime has been declining as we've had more weapons available. As we've had more people owning guns, the, the rate of violent crime, murders especially, have gone down. So Specifically in the United States is what you're saying? Yep. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. It's just interest, interesting to me because uh, a lot of people always bring that up. There was a recent interview, a CNN interview, with a representative from, from Arizona, and he was suggesting that the Second Amendment, if you look into it more in depth and what the militia really is, and he goes into it, and, and I, I haven't done my due diligence and read the whole Constitution in its entirety, but he was saying within the Constitution it says, shit, I wish I had the, the clip pulled up for you, Dan. If I find it, I'll send it to you. I, actually, I, I, I can send it to you after the podcast. But he was saying somewhere within the Constitution it was saying it was the government and the Congress's duty to provide the militia with weapons. Yeah. So you can go out, and it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily that that they have to buy the weapons and give them to you, but that you at the local militia level can decide what weapons you're going to have, and then Congress is going to compensate you for that, right? Because, you know, what would be an effective and useful weapon in where you live may not be something that that's right for where I live. Well, I think right. he was he was trying to suggest that it was Congress's job to decide who has guns and what guns they are. It was never the militia's intent to do that, is what he's saying. Well, he's wrong. Yeah, he's a hundred percent wrong, and he's a moron. Yeah, and I'd love to hear his clip so I could you know call him up and tell him he's a moron if that's yeah. what he says. Yeah, no, I'll send it to you. That's not the case. The case is Congress. Congress doesn't get to to decide all that stuff. We're not leaving that into the hands of people who have you know, an agenda, you know, if we leave that in the hands of Congress, then what, what ends up happening is now people go to Congress to lobby them for the particular guns that they think Congress should purchase, right. To give to the militia. Yep. It's like each of the, each of the militias is going to need to decide what it is, what kind of arms they should have based on, on the, you know, the, the terrain that they're in and, and, you know, where they live and, what you know what needs they have like somebody living in the swamps of louisiana is definitely not gonna gonna be looking at at uh, or is probably not going to be looking at the same type of of guns that somebody who lives in in the desert of arizona right right you know out there in arizona you know you, you're probably not going to have a tremendous worry about losing your gun in the water right right so Shed some light on this for me real quick because we're getting close to the end of the hour. So I, I definitely want to ask these two questions before before we get off the show. Um, recently, I don't know if you know this, but I think it was like two days ago or, or Friday before they ended session, the House did pass an assault an assault weapons ban in the House. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah, I saw some about yeah. that. So I'm curious when the Senate's going to vote on that and, it, and what that entails because I didn't read the whole uh, the whole package of what it is that they passed the House. But within it, you know, it's the House and the Senate is subject to change because they can make their, you know, whatever this whole legal process is, the Senate can change it up and they can still pass it but make their own provisions. Um, but within that legislation, they're talking assault or assault rifles, shotguns, handguns, and rifles. Uh-huh. That You know what I'm saying? Like, that's some scary shit, man. So tell me what it was like in the 90s when Bill—was it Bill Clinton who passed the assault, the assault rifle ban in the 90s? 
or was that? I think that happened. I do think that happened under under Clinton. What was that like? What when, when and I know you weren't really heavily involved in politics at that time nor do I know if you were interested in guns at all. But what was it like to be alive during a time in America where they actually did a ban assault rifles or AR15s? You well, know what I'm saying. The thing, the, the thing is is that is that what's really important to understand is that these people these people are liars and and, and I'm going to I'm going to use a word here that is going to sound like it's over the top, but it's really true. These people are traitors. They are traitors. They have an agenda, and they have they have a desire to truly undermine and destroy this country. You know, the fact is is that is that an assault weapon, an assault weapon is a specific thing that's defi- defined by the, the the military. You know, for a particular purpose. Right, you have sniper rifles, and you have assault weapons. An assault weapon is is one that you would give to your infantry, your frontline infantry, and they have they each each military unit is going to have a definition of of what it is that they need for the purpose that they're going to be using it for. Right, so an assault weapon is one that you would use for an attack. Right, well that definition by these politicians, these traitorous politicians, they have changed the definition of assault weapons, right, to cover things that are not assault weapons. Like basically the military says that that one of the one of the features of an assault weapon is that, you know, it has to have the ability to to go fully automatic. Right? You just hold the trigger and it'll con- continue firing until you let the trigger off. None of those guns that they're talking about are fully automatic. The ban on on assault weapons on these fully automatic guns that I think happened in the seventies. But this is the this is why it's so important that we read and understand the Constitution and we begin to stop following these rules that these people are putting down, and we make them follow the rules. You know, the rule is that you don't get to make laws about any kind of weapons. You don't get to make those laws. Those, those laws are null and void, and your debate on them is illegal and treasonous. Illegal and treasonous. You're committing treason when you are in Congress talking about any kind of an assault weapons ban. Because the Second Amendment clearly says, shall not be infringed. That means hands off, completely and totally. It's not within your authority to make any laws concerning it. Right. You're going to run for governor? <laughs> That's what it's going to take, man. You know that, right? It might. You know? It's, we'll the only, it's the only way, man. Good men don't want to run. It's what it comes down to, and this is what it's led us. Mm-hmm. This is where right, it's led us. The thing, is, the thing is is that you know, they, they, will, they will come after you in, in all kinds of, of different ways. And you know what? And, and I'm... I'm fine with with fighting with people about that stuff. I don't really care. But the the thing is is that is that so many people will be distracted by that kind of nonsense and make decisions based on stuff that really doesn't matter. You know? You got a campaign on that. Yeah. And people people will leech onto that, man. I truly believe that. Just like they did back in 1776, we're at we're we're at a a, pre- a prefaces or whatever that word is. 
We're at a moment. Yeah. Preface this at a, at a moment in time within our history where I guarantee you there are people out there just like back in 1776 who are very interested in freedom and don't want to see it go away. And we've had it. And I know it's, it's kind of been subject to, to what it is within this whole conversation we've had tonight, but it still does exist. We still do have freedoms. I know we are a slave class in, in some fashion or other, but it, um, I, I, I kind of lost my train of thought. I, I guess what I'm saying is if, if, if good men were willing to run and they had the right, the, the message of the Constitution, people will, le- will, will latch on to that just like they did in 1776. And just like they have throughout the history of this country. You know, the, what is true of the Constitution is true within each and one of us. And again, we've talked about it before. It's the best document known to man and woman. It's the best document yep. known on how to run a civilization or a society. And we can't let that go. We can't no. just let it dissipate into into greed and into the hands of filthy individuals who will do anything that they can to, to, to gain wealth and power like you suggested or even said, sorry. So that, that that's what I'm saying, man. If good men and good women run, people will latch on to that. They, I think just naturally that's just within us to want that. Most definitely. You know, and the thing, too, is, is that, that I think is real important to understand is that, you know, if we don't put this to a stop, if the Constitution, if these, if these folks are, s- succeed in destroying the Constitution, that will be a dark, dark time. That will be the beginning of a very dark time in the world because the Constitution is managed, even though, even though, you know, People talk about the government doesn't abide by it and all this stuff, and we haven't enforced it. It's still the letter. The letter of the law has been strong enough to hold these people back because people read it and they point out that you can't do certain things, so they have to spend all this time trying to figure out ways to get around it. Well, and it's managed to hold them off for, without much help from us, for over 200 years. Very true. I'm in agreement, man. I think when 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 that happens, or if it happens, which I hope it doesn't, whether or not Revelations is a real thing, that's what would play out. Is what's in Revelation? You know what I'm saying? Or that type of that type of doomsday scenario? I, I you know I haven't read Revelation. I don't know what it is, but you would see mass chaos. It would it wouldn't be good. I mean, yeah, overarching control from a government or a one world order or one world government that would not be good. Mm-mm. And that's that's what they're yeah. going for, man. This is the far left, and I don't even call them democratic. They're not Democrats. It's not democracy. These people, they're, it's, I wouldn't even, if that's what the, the, the name that they want is the far left, then that's fine. We'll call them the far left. But there's probably a more sinister name that we should call them and figure out and try and, and, and figure out what that name is. But these people, man, this is their last-ditch effort, whoever they're these Marxists. people are. Yeah, Marxists. There you go. And the thing is, is that that ideology... That ideology, it, it penetrates so many things that we've come to accept. You know, Marxism is communism, it's socialism, it's Nazism, it's fascism, it's progressivism, it's feminism. You know, it's all of those things. That's all Marxism. And all of them, all of them are working towards a global dictatorship. Every single one. The point of all of them is to get us to a point where the government is making all the decisions. Fuck these people, man. 
Yeah. You know what? I just want to live my life, enjoy my kids, enjoy my family. And I want my kids to be able to do the same thing. That's it. Mm-hmm. And in a, in, a, in a world where they can work and they, and they truly do have a chance to, to do what it is they want in life. And however right. far they want to go, that's up to them, you know. But at least they still have that opportunity. And I think that that's the foundation of America. And we can't let them rip that from us, man. Absolutely not. But, but by God, dude, they are, like I said, this is their last ditch effort, man. And they're oh, coming. They're, they're, they're coming hard, bro. Hard. Mm-hmm. And people are hook, line, and sinker taking it, man. Oh yeah. You know, because it's a, it's a scary deal where where people when when people believe that the government has the op has the authority to make its own rules, that's the that's the problem where we've gotten to is that the government in the United States does not have the authority to make any rules. We've already decided what it is they can and can't do we make the rules and they have to follow them but you know we've allowed that to get turned around and so people say you know well that's the law it's like no the constitution is the law yeah that is the law and the constitution governs the government because we've given them a limited number of responsibilities and then everything else is supposed to be left alone so that you know you can do what you can do for your family. As long as you're not harming anybody else, you know, what does anybody have to say about it? Right. You know, you know, you can build things so that your family can prosper now and your children have something to build upon later on. And that's all we've allowed that all to get taken away. That corporate greed, man. Well, we'll leave it there, Dan. Um, appreciate you joining the show, man. We had a lot of good, good talk there within, within a, an hour's time frame. So I always appreciate you, man. I know you got to get to bed. You got you got to be up early, uh, up and at it. So, um, <laughs> well, dude, I always look forward to these. I love I love coming on and talking to you guys. Oh yeah, man. Uh, it, it's, it's always a pleasure, man. It's always a, I always feel blessed after after each conversation that we have, man. It's just it's a beautiful thing, man. Good I'll, deal. Yep. Well, uh, well, we'll get off here, man. Um, and I'll upload some of these on TikTok. I, I think there was a lot of uh, good information that we can get out there to the people, man. I think it all starts with just understanding we the people, like I said. So, Dan, thanks for joining Talk Junkies, man. You have a blessed night, and we'll, we'll talk with you in, in a couple weeks. Sounds good. All thanks, right, Paul. Yes, sir.